wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. This is your host, Fuad Kassab, and with me is my best friend and co-host, Joe Witten. Jojo, good morning. Good morning, Fufu. I'm, I'm trying to talk like a radio person. I, I know, like I, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to practice. Yeah. You're so Welcome much better at it than me. Yeah. Just, it's that voice. You've got the radio yeah, yeah. voice. Yeah, it's the just woke up kind of voice. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> You've been Joe, screaming. Have you been screaming in a paper bag to get that low voice? Is that what you do? Apparently. Why would you scream in a paper bag? Because then you can sing country and western. But well, what's with the paper bag? Does it have like magical qualities? No, it just ah. holds the scream in a little. Guys, just tune out for a bit while we, Joe and I sort this thing out. <laughs> We're so weird. All right. Yes. Okay. Joe, it's uh, a beautiful sunny day. One of my last in uh, the Hills District in Sydney. And uh, next week, I'm moving to Falcon Bridge Blue Mountains. So, so I'm exciting. super, super excited. And um, can't wait. Can't wait yeah. to go and uh, feel the peak of winter up there. We chose the wrong time of year to move, yeah. but I think it's a good initiation, perhaps. Do you have a fireplace? What do you no. have a heater? I need to get a I need to get a gas heater. Um, I don't have a fireplace. Um, I looked at it. I looked at fireplaces uh, just the other day, and for me to install a fireplace is around like a nice one, around three thousand dollars for the fireplace and around four thousand dollars for the installation. Mm. So. I thought, hey, that's not something. Socks yeah. and blankets. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I can improvise. Um, I don't know. Something can be done, and yes. uh, yeah. But I'm going through this kind of. Uh, there's something about buying a new house where you just want to get a lot of stuff for it, and yeah. I'm trying to just say, don't do it. Like, yeah. for instance, I really badly need a barbecue. I, I would love a barbecue, and we're having my daughter's birthday the week after we move in. But oh. um, and I've been researching all these barbecues and going like, which one should I get? And they're expensive. You know, they yeah. cost a lot of money, and I don't want to spend that money. You know, because I can make do so in some way. So what I I ended up doing um, is I improvised the barbecue by getting my wok burner and putting you know those that big solid techniques um, pan yeah yeah no no not the no? skillet it's the one that it's the oven tray they have you don't have that one I've got it oh. uh, yeah what uh, this one I don't have oh, yeah no. it's, a, it's it's a cast iron uh, <laughs> oven tray yeah and uh, it's really beautiful like okay. you know it's super solid and I'm putting it on top of the wok burner using it as a flat grill you know oh. I'm gonna cook awesome. cook on that I'm thinking that's just a, a good way to get me across so, you know yeah that that'll do it costs me nothing you that's know? right uh, a barbecue is gonna cost a, a lot of money and also to get the you know the gas thing connected outside that's mm. like a thousand plus dollars just to get the gas connected yeah. outside and i'm like oh you know I, moving I, moving I, costs yeah. enough <laughs> yeah ever since i quit it i'm just trying to be just wiser with my money you know yeah, so, that's good. Uh, but yeah it's um it's a, a a good time of year to be moving because uh, we'll get to see what winter is like so we can be super ready for the next year. We'll, we'll have a tough winter and uh, we'll see how we go. But um, how's, how are things down up your uh, way? It, they're good. I've had a bit of sunshine today, which is nice. We have our, our local show coming up this weekend, so the kids are all excited. It's, oh. um, you know, such a farming community, country town. I just love it. It's It's all about... 
you know, cowboy boots and akubras and jeans and cows and things at our show. It's lots of fun. Beautiful. Yeah. Is, <laughs> so there, is there a rodeo? Is there a rodeo? Uh, not this one. No, we have the rodeo oh. at a separate time of the year. But ah, Cass- okay. Cassia, my 13-year-old, is baking an apple pie to put in the show. So she's got the fouad dough ready in the fridge oh. to go for the pastry. She- is, is this a competition? Because yeah. she's going to win. Oh, yeah, she's she's going to win. She's she- totally going to win. I mean, how no can way. you not win with yeah. Fuad's pastry? Yeah, well, <laughs> at, at least in, in the gluten-free category. Well, there's no gluten-free know. category. She's what? like okay. Isaac's, Isaac's saying, yeah. Mom, there's no healthy category. They're going to taste it and they'll think it's too healthy. I'm like, no way, Isaac. This is like <laughs> the best apple pie, whether you are gluten-free or not. It doesn't That's matter. Right. He's saying, but mum, they might not think it's sweet enough. I'm like, no, it's got so much flavour. They're going to love it. So we'll yeah. see. We're going to test it out. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, I think maybe it's worth trying a version with like a bit of extra butter mixed into the pastry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that would make it a bit sort of but- more buttery and, okay. and flaky. And, yeah, right, I, I don't know. Well, Give that a shot. Her, her decorating abilities are so amazing that I think it's yes. going to stun them. If you guys haven't seen, go to Joe's Instagram and uh, one of her, you know, recent photos. She she Got does use Instagram a lot, but there's a, a photo of uh, Cassius pie there. Uh, yeah. that it, it is really nice. It's beautiful. So we'll see how she goes. Uh, for someone that I don't like, she's oh. done a good job. <laughs> oh, you too. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All I'm saying is that you did a better job with, with the other three. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I will not <laughs> let Cassia listen to this podcast. No, <laughs> I'm just joking, Joe. Good. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know, Forrest comes your way all, through all four of them, so it's just luck That's that right. she turned out this way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, guys, to give you a bit of an update of what we're doing, um, the uh, our life-changing uh, food cookbook has sold out, and we are waiting for our next mm-hmm. delivery to come in. It's uh, due to get here on the 27th of July, which is quite a, you know 20 days or something from the, what is it 22 days, and. Um, we we can't wait for the new batch to come in um, because people have been asking a lot about it and where is it and want to get it. But you can still buy the cookbook uh, if you head on to our website. Uh, you can order it and by the time the shipment comes, your order will be one of the first to get uh, shipped. And um, so hopefully you should be getting it within the first week of August or, or something. It should arrive. And... Um, Apart from that, Joe and I are organizing events all across the country. So, Joe, where where are we looking at going? Oh, wow. Okay, well, we've got Melbourne and Tasmania, um, Perth. We've got – we're hoping to do Adelaide. We've got – I have to – we had to add in a couple of country places because – I wanted to go to the town where I was born. So we're going to Echuca in Victoria and Albury, I think, is on the on the list. Um, we've got, of course, Brisbane. Got to go to Brisbane, Sunshine Coast. Um, we're hoping to do New Zealand even oh, yeah. this year. Uh, I've never been, so I'd love to. Yeah, you haven't mentioned yeah. Tassie either. Oh, we mentioned that last, yeah. <laughs> last podcast. Yeah. Um, where else have we got? Um, we've got Sydney, of course. We're looking at um, doing the Blue Mountains and uh, maybe the Hills District where I currently live. Maybe we'll organize a class here. Maybe Newcastle and Canberra. Um, um, and uh, what else? I think that's it. I think yeah. that's Cairns. Yeah. Cairns. Uh, Cairns as well. We're yeah. hoping to um, get Darwin in there too sometime. I know a few of you oh. have asked about that, but we're just not sure. We're just trying to fit everything into the schedule with family and kids and all of that. So, 
it will happen. Yep. We're just not sure when. Yeah, I, I can do it on my own, but it won't go. be as fun for you guys. Uh, <laughs> I think probably, was... Actually, it probably would be fun because, you know, Fuad's the life of the party at our seminars, as anyone it's, who's been to one of our seminars will tell you. <laughs> it, it's team effort, Joe. Like, it you keeps know, like everyone you, laughing. <laughs> yeah, but like on my own, I'm not as good as with you. That's I'm always true. better That's with true. you, Joe. <laughs> and... Um, We've got some exciting news about the podcast. So we have a our first sponsor for the podcast. Um, Joe and I have been doing a quirky journey for a, f- a few years now. And uh, we haven't had sponsors before, uh, partially uh, because we, um, we didn't really... Um, have companies that we we were completely convinced that we would go down the path of sponsorship with and uh, this has recently changed for us um, because we've been dealing with Walida who are an amazing skincare company and um, they've they've got the best products they just have like most beautiful natural skincare products that we've been using for a long time now and uh, we've seen so much positive results uh, from using them and uh, Walida have become our first sponsor so what that means for us is you you guys can get a, a 10% discount off Willida products if you go to www.willida.com.au and use the um, quirky journey coupon code so um, the reason why we love Willida is um, it, first of all it's a company that's almost 100 years old so it, it was like in the 1920s it was um, uh, uh, Rudolf Steiner was the founder of it in the 20s and um, it's, it has such a long history of being an ethical company where they um, produce beautiful quality natural skincare products so what that means is it doesn't have all the nasty stuff that most skincare products have in them uh, things that will get absorbed uh, by your skin and into your bloodstream and uh, contribute to your state of chronic illness. This stuff is um, with the Willida products are made with beautiful plant botanicals. So they get either biodynamic or organic or wild crafted plants and they um, extract them at their peak and they create affordable skincare products because of the time of year that they actually harvest the the plants um they have these uh, active chemicals in them that are at the highest potency and um just like uh, we eat a diet that is diverse in plants um we should also be having a diversity of plant species on our skin because our body eats in different ways so it eats through the skin as well and these plant botanicals they, these are like herbal medicines that people yeah. have been using for millennia. And uh, Willida has just really done an amazing job with creating the, the product. So head Absolutely on to... gorgeous products. Did you... Uh, uh, what have you been using recently? I've I've had um, the uh, pomegranate body wash, which mm-hmm. I've uh, which I love. Um, yeah. That's one of my favorites, and I also um, like the sea buckthorn shampoo. What um, What are you? The skin food is still my favorite. It seems a bit boring of me because it's like the one that's everyone's favorite. But <laughs> um, well, I guess it's, it's just, favorite for a reason. Yeah, it's been the same recipe since what is it, 1920 or something, and it's a really um, creamy um, body cream that can be used for a lot of different uses. Um, you can even use it on your lips. You can use it sort of all over your body. Some people use it under their makeup as a primer. Some people use it as a night cream, but it smells amazing. And it just, 
it just feels like you can just feel the nourishment from it. Yeah. So that's my favorite. Um, the rose deodorant I use every day and I live in far north Queensland and it's a sweaty old place up here. So <laughs> it works yeah. and it's in a yeah. glass bottle, which I love. It's not plastic. It's not, you know, um, something that is going to, like it can be recycled. It's it's just a beautiful product. And my kids love the other deodorants as well. Sage um, is India's favorite. Um, and we also use the, um, I'm trying to think what it's called. It's the almond range that's for really sensitive skin. Yeah. Yeah. My kids have, especially the girls have quite sensitive skin. So that works well for them. Yeah. I had the almond body wash. And then when that finished, I moved to the pomegranate one. Mm. Um, but yeah, they have a huge range. And I really like the calendula range. Like calendula yeah. is one of the most healing plants on the planet. And um, they have a uh, body lotion and uh, body oil. Mm-hmm. And they're just really fantastic. Just yep. su- such a – and you can smell the plant in it, which is, you know, quite often you buy something that says, you know, uh, sage or something, and then you, you can't even smell it. You can't yeah, smell the plant true. in there. Yeah. This stuff is just pure potency. It doesn't, and, it doesn't smell like fake synthetic no, stuff. because but, it doesn't have anything. No, that synthetic. makes you sneeze. Um, but the funny thing is, even though I use it myself, my friend Emma will come over and she'll be wearing, there'll be Walida products on her because she uses them as well. And I'll be like, what is that smell? I'm like, oh, of oh, course, yeah. Walida. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, they also have a good uh, eczema range, um, yeah. like an eczema body lotion. Um which is really good. They have a new product for acne. So that uh, that's something you can look into if you're interested in changing like from your uh, benzoyl peroxide washes and things like that for an acne treatment. And um, head on to www.wilida.com.au and use the coupon code QUIRKYJOURNEY to get a 10% discount on your purchase. Um, all right. So today's uh, podcast, Joe. Yes. Okay. Uh, one of your favorite people, and yeah. you've been raving about her for a long time. Okay, like, I okay. want to talk to her. <laughs> okay, you, ha- you have a, a little crush on her, I think. No. Bit of a crush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we, we have um, a really lovely guest for you guys today. So probably a lot of you who are on the grain-free or um, healing sort of diets um, journey will probably know her. West, red, blah. Sorry, I'm getting tongue tied. Her website, Empower. You, you're Sustenance. already starstruck. You no. even can't say her name. <laughs> um, it's Empowered Sustenance, is her main site that's been around for about five years, her blog. And she has beautiful recipes and just she writes really beautifully, doesn't she, Fouad? Um, yeah. She talks, so simple and yeah. just straight to the point, but also like in an educational, informative way. It's, yeah. um, you know, doesn't sim- oversimplify things and respects people's intelligence, but at the same time just gives really simple advice to make change. Yeah. So it's wonderful. Yeah. Inspiring. And um, she's been through a lot in her health journey and she's going to tell her story today. Um, she's a nutritional therapy practitioner and an author. And she has another um, business as well where she helps people with essential oils and flower essences to help with their brain function. So that's really interesting. And she's been through the GAPS um, diet and tried different things and she talks about listening to your body and to working working out what um, is best for you. But also, um, well, I won't give it all away, but 
you need to listen because you'll find a lot of um, help, not just for your diet side of things and healing, but also just changing your mindset towards healing. She's a nutritional therapy practitioner. She's an author and the creator of Empowered Sustenance, an amazing website, which I'm sure most of you have heard of. Hi, Lauren. Hey, Joe. Hey, Fuad. Thank you so much for inviting me today. We're so happy to it's, have It's you. our pleasure. Jo, jo has been so excited. She's like been eking and going, yay, all, all week long. So <laughs> <laughs> she's super excited to talk to you. And I'm like, fantastic. She's such a, in such a good mood to talk to you. So thanks for coming on the show. Hey, are you trying to say <laughs> that sometimes I'm not in a good mood? Yes. Oh, quite often, cool. Joe. <laughs> well, you work with me, so it's kind of hard true. to That's stay true. in a happy mood all the time. But hey. <laughs> I have got nothing. But wonderful, warm vibes from both of you. You just need <laughs> sunshine. Thank you. And so you're in Seattle, is that right, Lauren? That's right. And it's July the 4th today. Woo! So it's a holiday. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous day outside and I have fun plans this evening. Oh, that's lovely. What What's the temperature like? It's summer, isn't it? Yes, finally. I mean, we've had a 40-year-long winter here. Oh. Um, wow. It, it, it's it's led me to doubt if this is where I want to keep my roots. Um, but <laughs> finally, the sun is here. We're all getting vitamin D. Literally, Seattle spirits lift when the sun comes out. Oh, I know. Makes such a difference, doesn't it? Totally. Well, if you're considering a change, Australia is always sun, sunny here, especially where Joe lives. You know, it's uh... always sunshine. So, you know, you're always welcome to come and visit us down under. You're definitely well, welcome. So I've <laughs> It's it's sunny today, but it hasn't been for a couple of weeks, I have to be honest. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Mm-hmm. Just, just um, it would be great, I think, if you share how you came yes. across Lauren's blog and then I we'll will. get into the interview. From there. Yeah, yeah, I will. Um, recipes. <laughs> but the funny thing <laughs> is I was thinking about it when we started talking to you about doing a podcast. I was looking through your blog in a lot more detail. Like, you know how it is, you search for something online and you say, I want a recipe for grain-free something. And, and of course, your, re- your blog pops up. And um, oh, I can't even remember what the first thing was that I made of yours. It was probably something sweet because it generally is, and <laughs> back, back years ago especially. Um, I'm trying to think what it was. Did you have it? No, I, I'll have to go back and have a look at my old... Um, Facebook posts because I'm sure I shared it on there but it was a long it was probably five years ago that I first saw your blog how long has your blog been going that was the beginning um five years ago basically okay yeah four or five years ago I probably first saw it and and was it um did you have a gaps focus right from the start or no I did it was actually um specific carbohydrate diet that was that was my introduction, mm-hmm. and from there I found the GAPS book. That's right, because I think, um, as often happens, it takes a lot of exposure to an idea before you really click with it, and I had just heard little bits about the SCD diet and GAPS here and there, but it never sunk in. <laughs> it was kind of like something you know, that other people needed that I didn't. And um, I never noticed that your blog was gaps focused until I started looking at it, you know, just recently. And I went, oh, how come I never noticed mm. that before? But I guess it's because it, until I needed it, you know, I didn't really look for that. 
and um, right. and then and then suddenly it just when um, I don't know if you know our story at all, my son had severe OCD, anxiety, depression at age of thirteen. It all sort of hit, and um, something inside my head kept saying, "Look into gaps, look into gaps." And I kind of like didn't really even know what gaps was, but I must have had those little bits of exposure to have it coming up into my mind and so thank you for that because it was probably partly your blog that helped me think of it. I I was um, stunned by your story and your son's mm. profound recovery that mm. was beautiful and inspiring to read and now to hear that he's taken his healing journey at this young age to already be speaking and sharing his experience yeah. <laughs> is just incredible and and you sound like a very powerful mama and very powerfully connected to your intuition to be able to follow those um, those voices in your head that were pointing you to the right direction. Yep, and I think I think that's so important. Is I always have to have a laugh and say, you know, you got to listen to your gut, <laughs> especially once you start that. healing it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so um, you say um, on your website that. Your mission is to share the simple steps that freed you of chronic pain and medications. Um, and we'd love to hear your story. So, I'd, yeah, I'd love yeah. to share it. It yeah. did, it started about five years ago. It was, um, you know, just before I started blogging, really. Uh, so, I had been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called ulcerative colitis. And if any of your listeners are familiar with, with gut healing or um, Crohn's disease, this is in a similar similar vein of autoimmunity. And I was I was 14. I was in high school um, and hospitalized for two weeks when my first flare hit. It was extremely extremely severe. Um, you know, to the point where I was I was doubled over in pain, rushing to the bathroom 30 times a day. Wow. Internal. Pain. Um, and so. The next four years of high school was interspersed with these severe flares coming up, even though I was taking medication that was supposed to, quote, treat the problem. And uh, it was very psychologically and physically challenging not knowing when my body was going to flare again and the medications just stopped working. And to be in high school at that time... How difficult would that have been at at school, these things happening? Right. I was actually homeschooled. I read that you homeschooled. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Cool. Um, So there was an upside to that uh, because I don't think I would have – I probably would have needed to be homeschooled if I was originally in a classroom. Mm. So that made it easier, but I I did feel um, very – separated from my peers uh, it was a, another level of, of feeling very different and separated now having this health problem that uh, I felt like nobody could relate to um, so by the time I got to college I really felt like that was my way out like finally my my heart was saying finally you're going to not be different anymore like you're gonna go to college, you're going to be able to connect with people and you're going to be able to look like a normal person. Like I had so much stake to hide my disease, um, to present a a false smile and 
And if, cause I thought if I could fake it, that would be the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality was my body <laughs> really, it had something better in mind and my body really needed me to listen to it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. my body basically was telling me you're not well enough to be at school right now. Um, so medications had all stopped working and the doctors at that point told me I was going to have to have my a portion of my large intestine removed. Wow. So yeah, that would mean um, a colostomy bag. And this, wow. this was an important piece of the story for me. Like through all the pain, through all the struggle, it didn't hit until that moment mm-hmm. because I was a dancer and mm-hmm. I was a dancer because through dancing, I could contact my soul in a way that I never had before. I, ha- I could feel alive in a way that I had no other experience in life of being so at home with, my, with myself. Mm-hmm. So something deep in me in that moment said, if you get this colostomy bag in the surgery, you're not going to be able to dance in the same way you used to. Mm-hmm. So with that realization, I went home and... And it was so strange. In the back of our family's bookshelf, there was the specific carbohydrate diet book. It's called Breaking the Vicious Cycle. Mm-hmm. And my mom had purchased this book when, probably when I was first diagnosed, but um, we didn't look at it because our doctors told me that food wasn't going to help. Yeah. Of course, I. <laughs> many people have been there and it mm-hmm. breaks its heart. Um, so, and it's just like that little voice that told you mm-hmm. gaps diet, gaps diet, that little voice in me, like just my eyes laser focused to that book. And I pulled it out and I said, I'm going to do this. Um, and you know, at this point I'm, I'm living with my parents. I'm 18, 19. Um, and they say, um, you know, if, if you think it's going to help, they are, they're completely supportive, even though they don't have faith, this is going to help me. Um, but they do want to see me follow a path where I have some hope. So I, I felt very supportive and literally within three days, my acute symptoms of bleeding and debilitating pain disappeared. Wow. So up to that time, how had you been eating? Sorry for what. Um, so, you know, from age, after my mom finished breastfeeding me, I was put on a standard, um, quote, like, uh, healthy organic diet, which included fruit juice and whole grains and, Mm -hmm. you know, low fat margarine butter (laughs) substitutes. Um, all those healthy things, you know, and, uh, my mom was, she was absolutely trying her best yeah. uh, with the information that was provided to her. Well, exactly. That's uh, what we were told. Right. Uh, so I know that that accumulated, if we're talking about the dietary causes that could have contributed to my disease, we have that, we have me being a very, um, as are so many people prone to chronic disease, a very hypersensitive child, hypersensitive mm-hmm. to energy, very empathic, um, just mm-hmm. very permeable boundaries, you could say, mm-hmm. um, and feeling things really deeply. 
Um, and then when I was, uh, when I was 11, I became anorexic uh-huh. as a way, a, a very unhealthy coping mechanism to deal with, um, emotions and anger and fear that was just too big for my little body. So that heavily contributed, I believe, yeah. um, that the emotional trauma around that time and then what I was consuming at that time, uh, diet Pepsi and special K soy based cereal mm. absolutely really set the stage for autoimmunity. So, so you said within three days, um, your acute symptoms disappeared. And um, I'm wondering, what did you do? What was the big change? How did your diet shift in those three days? And what do you think made the biggest difference? Well, the, the biggest difference was um, I stopped eating. I'm sure it was uh, stopping the grains mm. because... Yeah. I had switched to gluten-free, you know, maybe two years after I was first diagnosed. My mom had taken me to a couple naturopaths, and they advocated gluten-free. So I said, okay, and I gave it a try. It was never enough, Um, but I was kind of loading my body and my poor battered-down microvilli in my intestines with carbohydrates from, um, from rice, um, you know, uh, buckwheat, those healthier gluten-free grains that my body still couldn't digest. So even taking those out and, um, incorporating, I made a homemade chicken broth those first few days and drank copious amounts of that. Hmm. Um, I did, I did gummies with, um, apple juice and, uh, uh, gelatin. And this was on a specific carbohydrate diet. I didn't have the information of fermented food and healthy fats that I would later get from GATS diet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So even with without uh, those nutrients added in, I could still reap some healing. So awesome. So you were at college at that time while you were going through this? Yeah, I, I was a freshman in college, but then I had to leave and return okay. back. So I was I was at home while I was doing um, all my gut healing, and eventually I started uh, taking up college classes online to to fill in my education. So what were you studying before you had to leave? Um, I was studying dance. Uh, okay, right. A dance minor, and I was also, ironically, um, a business major. <laughs> <laughs> It's really funny. I'm. Um, I never completed my degree, but now I'm running two very successful businesses without that business admin degree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well I've been That's there too. That's usually the case. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, um, so that was your introduction to um, like a a more whole food style of eating with the specific carbohydrate diet. Um, and yeah, we we know as well from ourselves is um, whatever it is the diet that we went on like I personally went on paleo and uh, it was a low carb paleo I lost a lot of weight and um, you know probably like 30 kilos or 28 kilos or something and um, you know my allergies improved my eczema and acne went away 
and in the beginning i was sort of uh you know so convinced that it was the the carbohydrate thing that really helped me but then you know it's been six years now for me and looking more at it uh, from a distance knowing that it actually was a return to whole foods that that actually helped me and you know tweaking things here or there um i'm uh, you know we we in the beginning i was quite convinced that everyone should go on a low-carb diet and then I started talking about it but then you know things started changing and I'm wondering for you how did uh, your journey go along like did you have some certain convictions in the beginning and how did your mind change over the years and how your perspective changed and um, did you experience a lot of fluctuation in your journey or were you like straight onto it from the onset and you knew what you what you wanted to do yeah that's um, a great question I was definitely on a winding path and it continues. Um, <laughs> so I, from the specific carbohydrate diet, like I said, I found the GAPS diet. That was because shortly after starting SCD, I started my blog. I really wanted to share the recipes I was making. And um, also something in me was just calling for me to make something of this healing experience. Like that was the self-empowerment was sharing what I was learning. So that was part of the healing and, and getting into the online sphere. It's a, it, back then five years ago, it was a very small community of, it was. of bloggers. Um, <laughs> oh, so tell me about it. Fuad started I, I blogging blog 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so. You guys are old hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of um, over the medium now, you know, like it's that old, like, oh God, I don't want to blog anymore. But um, I'm, I'm much more enjoy the podcasting and, uh, you know, talking to people on Facebook and face to face as well. But um, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah. Um, well, I, I love that now blogging is branching into different mediums where it mm. feels more personal, like podcasts and videos. So I agree. Um, so from then I found gaps. Um, and then I began tailoring my recipes to paleo and calling them paleo because this was a diet that was much more seemingly approachable yeah. to people who didn't want to do the very detailed steps of gaps and just wanted to eat a quote healthier diet. So you see paleo in a lot of my recipe titles. Yeah. Um, at at one point, I experimented with the autoimmune paleo protocol, um, where this was the point in gaps where I wanted to introduce more starches um, and see if eliminating the, the nightshades, um, the seed-based spices, and things like that would improve some of my ongoing symptoms. I, at this point, you know, a few years into it, I still had significant healing to do. My, mm. you know, while I was not bleeding and didn't have active signs of disease, I was still struggling with um, some significant hormonal problems and uh, I was struggling with bloating and just not digesting my food fully. So I was always looking for what was next. Um, I definitely had a few twists in the path where I'd go way too low carb because I was trying to kill off all the bugs in my system by not eating any sugar without understanding the full picture there. Mm -hmm. That made me feel not so hot. And then I, I like swung the pendulum way too far. And I have a, a blog post that I, I shared my experience kind of finding the right car balance. Um, so then I, if there was this whole movement, like this fad about eating all the healthy carbohydrates to heal your thyroid. And that was just, as you can imagine, wonderful for my blood sugar. Um, it didn't <laughs> kind of 
kind of swung the pendulum way too far. So then I, yeah, I I settled into um, what through using a glucometer, through using muscle testing, through using clinical evaluation, um, I I found what was a right carbohydrate, grain-free carbohydrate balance for my body. Um, And interestingly, most recently, I've actually started the ketogenic diet. Fascinating. Yeah. And I, you know, I've (laughs) talked about this on Instagram. I haven't publicized it broadly because I really wanted to give it a try personally before Mm. I I recommended it or discussed it in depth. But a main motivation was healing um, some, you know, ongoing issues that, that hadn't been addressed in my body. And um, also it's, such a powerful therapeutic diet and I was hearing miracle stories about it. So I wanted to know if this was something I could really recommend to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this is, this is definitely going to sidetrack conversation. And no, that's fine. Them. We like sidetracks. Well, it's, it's really interesting to me as well to, to hear. Um, but how long have you been doing it for now? The ketogenic diet? Um, about two and a half months. Okay, fantastic. And just to give the listeners a bit of background, what does it mean? What's a ketogenic diet? What does that look like? And what's its impact on the body? So a ketogenic diet switches your body from running on glucose, which is sugar that we obtain from our food. When we talk about blood sugar, we're talking about glucose that is made available in the bloodstream when we consume carbohydrates. Also, glucose is synthesized when we eat a lot of protein as well. And in a ketogenic state, your body is fat burning. So it means you're obtaining energy from the fat you take in and also the fat stored on your body. Um, when when fats, dietary fats break down, some of them turn into ketones. And ketones are the form of fat that can fuel your brain. Um, and then you also have fatty acids that can fuel your body. So what we know is um, human beings, you know, millennia ago uh, were ketogenic at different points in their life because they didn't have the accessibility to food and especially carbohydrate laden food that we have right now all the time. And so when they would people would have to go long periods of time without food, their body would naturally switch to burning ketones. It's a much smoother fuel because your body always has a source of fat available from the fat stored on your body. Um, And so whereas when you're eating, when you're a sugar burner and you're eating carbohydrate, you get um, those those sugar spikes as Mm. food comes into your system. And so this can cause, this can just cause in your nervous system and your body kind of an unsettled, like jitteriness. I'm, I'm speaking from what the felt experience is for me. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, when I switched to keto, I really felt that smooth clarity my my body and my my moods too um when i get hungry it's it's not a need for food it's just Mm -hmm. a hunger 
Um, and I, I want to clarify that it keto is a therapeutic diet. I don't plan to do this for my whole life. I cycle in and out of it because I think that's really healthy. Um, but I, I would love to provide you know more details in an upcoming post about this experience and some troubleshooting because yeah. it was it was a challenging transition. Um, I I kind of felt miserable for a couple weeks, but yeah. the the biggest result was that what what seems most significant to my life was actually coming more in touch with the wisdom of my body, like the way my intuition amplified and clarified was so unexpected, hmm. but so profound, and also becoming like feeling my emotions deeper, and I'm talking to now other women especially who are doing keto and they're having a similar experience. Um, and so that's very significant to me, especially that my mission is to help people get more in touch with the intelligence that is always present within them so they can navigate their life better. Um, you know, I um, back in 2011, that was the diet I went on. It was a ketogenic paleo diet. And um, I went through what you spoke about, you know, it was a bit hard, emotionally difficult in the beginning. It only took me though around 10 days. And what happens in our body is that the body upregulates the its ability to uh, utilize its fat. Um, we, we have these chronic elevations of insulin in our body and it stops us from being able to tap into our own fat. And uh, we're dependent on glucose, which is why we eat three meals a day or six meals a day or whatever it is. But then when your body knows how to burn fat, it switches completely and it starts re-regulating your metabolism and also your attitudes towards food. So it starts clarifying to you how much uh, food you actually need, you know, not just um, eating just to get the carbohydrates because your body can be overloaded with too much food, of course, just so that it can get the carbs. Um, so um, I found it really, really uh, therapeutic for me. And, and the biggest weight loss was on a ketogenic diet and the biggest improvement was on it. And what I've been doing recently, and again, this is not something I've started talking about. This is probably the first time I talk about it in public, but I've been thinking a lot about how much it is that we spend uh, thinking about food and eating and like how much food do we actually need and how much of it is an addiction to food yeah, so um, looking at yeah and, and uh, you know looking at our ancestors who used to have to hunt and gather their food which is quite an energy intensive thing to do I just can't see them eating as much as we do like three meals a day with snacks you know this just don't right to me so over the past 10 or has it been two weeks I'm not really yeah, sure I've been eating one meal a day nice. yeah and um, I've been getting into a ketogenic state during the day and then at night I'm just eating like, you know, imagining myself like just having come back from the hunt and eating with my, you know, my family. <laughs> and uh, throughout the day, the the ketogenic state is just absolutely wonderful. Like I, I feel hunger, but it's not an emotional hunger. It's not one that says to me, oh, you, oh my God, you've got to eat right now. And none of that. It's sort of a steady ability to feel hunger and perceive your body from a bit of a distance, not be tangled up in, in the obsession of eating, which is which could, could happen when you're trying to reach for carbohydrates all the time because your body just doesn't know otherwise how to break the cycle of, of sugar. And um, it's just... I think there's room for it, and I, uh, 
uh, as you said, it's probably not something I would do long term, but just the freedom that comes from being able to burn your own fat on your body is just <laughs> liberating in, in many, many ways. So, yeah, what, you know, like, what a great thing for you to be doing and looking forward to reading your blog posts and seeing what comes out of it. Um, thank you for I, I just, sharing. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Experience because that resonates with me so much. Um, and when you said the word liberating, that's exactly what I felt. And mm. absolutely, I've, I've been coming to the realization as well that uh, now that I don't need to eat as often, it, it looks like our, the food addiction in our culture is even more and more apparent to me. Um, that's right. Yeah. Isn't that so? Like, yeah. that's what blew my mind. It's like, I'm just looking at myself going, why was I eating five times a day before this? Like, I could just easily make do with one. I'm much more productive. My mental space is just calmer and more focused. Um, I feel good. Like, I can actually afford better quality food. Like, I can buy organic everything now because I'm eating, yeah. you know, uh, just the, the best food once a day. And it's just... And also food tastes so much better. Like, it just tastes yes. so much better, like, when when you're a little bit hungry, you know, and you really value it and you're thankful for it. And you're like, oh, thank you. You know, like, I'm just, I don't want to waste anything of this. Mm. It's just such a, a different experience. Um, like a quick aside, uh, something that caught, caught my attention is when you said uh, the seed-based spices. And it had never occurred to me, actually, that seed yeah. like seed spices um, is, is problematic. Um, but it kind of makes sense. Can you just talk a little bit about that for me? Yeah. So on the autoimmune paleo protocol, it um, seems to go a little bit farther than GAPS. Uh, so starches are allowed from grain-free sources such as plantains. So it has more freedom there. Um, but nuts and seeds and nightshades and eggs are also excluded from the first stages of those of that diet. So I I found that actually challenging and it was more of a self experiment. I never noticed I I was symptomatic from eating seeds. I knew I was I had been pretty sensitive to almonds so I avoided that. But besides almonds, I was great with nuts and seeds and um I, I took it out just so I could see what autoimmune paleo was all about. Um, but, you know, caraway seeds, poppy seeds, pepper, a lot of the spices that we frequently use are seed-based and so very sensitive individuals when they're, when they're doing the autoimmune paleo protocol um, can experience flare-ups from including those ingredients. And in early gaps, you do take out all the spices Except for pepper, I suppose the white pepper is left in. Oh, good point. I actually, I never did the introduction to GAPS. Oh, okay. Um, so there. I jumped in from the later stages of SCD. Okay, yep. Yeah, so with, because I have noticed in GAPS a lot of people can't handle any spices, not even, you know, cinnamon or anything at first. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's until they've healed their gut a bit. But yeah, that's good interesting. Point. And also, I'd just like to ask you, um, from a woman's standpoint with the hormone side of things, I've had a bit of feedback from um, GAPS practitioners and also people that I've talked to who've done um, ketogenic diets. And um, they've said that a lot of women can't cope with the really low-carb sort of diet for, for any 
long period of time, um, especially ketogenic, um, because it starts to mess with their hormones. Do you know anything about that? You know, I I would be surprised uh, or interested to hear other factors and more specific case studies because mm. keto has been very helpful to my hormones. That's good. Um, so, and I do know there there's some contraindications when one would have really low thyroid numbers. Yes, it was to do I with would, thyroid. I can't remember the exact details. Right, right. If I, I would say definitely check with your, I don't want to sound, <laughs> yeah, right. your care provider um, if you have Hashimoto's or really low thyroid numbers and you're a woman before you start a diet like this. Um, I had some struggle with my thyroid and I'm thriving on keto right now. My periods, which um, had you know greatly improved, they were disastrous years ago. They had greatly improved, but I still had some progress to make on them. Um, in terms of in terms of cramps and mood stability, and keto has been very supportive for that mm, as well. That's interesting, and um, I think you mentioned earlier about um, there was something about thyroid. You said earlier, are you though like you have the you were struggling with the hyperactive thyroid? Was it? Uh, look, I tend towards low thyroid okay. function. Yeah, mm, I don't I don't know a lot about thyroid issues. I just get people saying you know different things about the different diets and what helps with thyroid I think earlier you said something about you tried carbohydrates so that's funny that that's that's a completely opposite approach really yeah um again bioindividuality yeah uh, at the when the metabolism is supported in a way that it's supported through keto mm-hmm. hormones can fall in place mm-hmm Thyroid is all about metabolism function. Right. Um, okay. So keto gives you energy on a very, a very stable level. Hey guys, if you're after natural skin and body care products and you're not sure which ingredients are good for you and which aren't, Fuad and I both use Walida products for our families and we absolutely love them. So Walida make an amazing range of organic skincare products and they use high potency plant botanicals. Head over to Walida at www.walida.com.au and use our coupon code QuirkyJourney to get 10% off your order. So Lauren, um, just to switch gears a bit, you, you were talking about um, listening to our bodies and um, mindset towards what our journey is about and um, we find that to be a great factor that actually you know differentiates the person who sticks to something or doesn't for one thing Mm. and um, just wondering if you if you can shine some light for for us on your experience and the experience of your community what what does that mean what when they say listen to your body and they say you know you have to uh, have a, a certain mindset what does that look like to you for someone to succeed or to stick to a healing journey that's a great question, and this is a topic close to my heart. Um, so really, uh, I wanted to start talking about deeper healing and the mindset shifts around healing when I first learned about the concept of neuroplasticity. This is the science of brain health that considers how our brains heal by creating new pathways 
And the only way we create new brain pathways is through doing different actions or thinking different thoughts. Now, there are two segues that I would just love to go down in this discussion. Um, Let's do it. Let's go down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So so one of them is about brain health and how critical it is to understand that our brains can heal and healing our brain has all this implication in healing our body. Mm. Um, So you introduced Empowered Sustenance, um, the other company that I have, which I launched with my business partner, John Janis, who's a well-known clinician and nutrition instructor in Seattle is a company called Mio Energetics. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. we share forms of energy medicine in the form of flower essences and essential oils that help balance the brain so that the body can heal and so that we can more easily implement new thought patterns, new ways of holding ideas about ourselves that is going to support our healing. Um, so really, I believe in order to heal the brain, we, we kind of have to have a fundamental, some visualization of how the brain heals and, and it's by creating neural connections, which are brain pathways. So, you know, communication pathways between our brain cells. And every time we think a thought it, it, and then we repeat that thought, it creates a neural connection. Okay. The same thing when we we do a behavior or our body works a certain way. So, for example, every time we experience anxiety or a panic attack, it's strengthening the neural connection for that panic attack and making it more likely to occur in the future. Mm. And the same actually occurs for inflammation. Every time we have inflammation in our body, it's actually making it more likely to occur in the future. Same for poor digestion, same for being stressed out. Um, now the flip side is every time we incorporate a positive action or a positive thought, we intentionally repeat that we're actually building new neural connections that then our brain in the future can favor over those brain pathways that don't serve us. Um, so this was like completely mind blowing for me because I struggled with very severe anxiety. Um, and I know so many of us who are, who are hypersensitive, hyper aware, (laughs) you know, high anxiety comes along with that. And I thought I was just cursed. Um, then I learned that, you know, the way my brain works is actually something I can consciously choose to change. So that instead of my brain kind of being the master of me, I get to be the master of my brain. And this was, this is literally the most empowering thing I have heard in my, in my healing journey in five years and why I'm, I'm so enthusiastic to share it because this is a life changing piece to know you can, you can change the patterns you feel trapped into. Um, it unlocks your ability to, um, make new habits in your life around what you're eating, how you're living and the stories you're telling yourself about your body and healing. And absolutely. We know that that mindset shapes our reality. So we have to change our mind in order to change our reality. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about, um, we talk about mindset and healing 
I like to share the archetype of the healing journey because this is really supportive and people perceiving themselves as a hero rather than a victim to their illness. So for a long time in my life, I had all this neuroplasticity running in my brain that um, I'm cursed with anxiety. I'm cursed with this autoimmune disease. Why me? It's not fair. There's nothing I can do to change it. And those neural pathways just got stronger. Um, and it's a completely disempowering track to have running in our head. So empowerment starts when we realize we, we can change that track by consciously and repeating, repeatedly thinking something different. Um, and what I like to think about is this archetype of the healing journey. Um, we get this from the work of Joseph Campbell, who was a mythologist. He wrote The Hero of a Thousand Faces. Oh, so I'm going to love you now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, Joseph Campbell, who, can, who cannot adore. His, he's one of the most, um, I think, profound individuals in the last um, century to share wisdom. Um, so he shares the archetypal mythological pattern of the hero's journey, which is found in stories in every ancient culture. And these stories were told because they provide a map to young people in the tribe. It's a map of saying, here's an outline of what your life is going to look like and how you are going to find yourself, like how you are going to find your strength and discover who you are. And so I want to do the same for the healing journey, like give people an outline of what it's going to look like. I can't tell you what challenges exactly you're going to meet, but I can tell you here's what to expect. And at the end of it, it's going to be worth it because you are going to find like the unique gifts of your soul. You're going to find um, an empowerment that you never experienced before. So do, do we have, Time to go through the the eight points in this healing journey archetype. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. We've got heaps of time as long as you do. So that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. That, yeah. Um. So we start out with step place step one, which is our ordinary life. Now, this is the place I was in, kind of before I I started having any health symptoms, even before ulcerative colitis. It's, it's the place where we're told this is what life is, but somehow deep in our soul, we're thinking there should be something more. Like, why am I longing for something that I can't articulate? I can't quite touch, but I feel like something's bigger out there. So that is step one, the ordinary life. Okay, the second part in the healing journey is the call to the journey. Now, this is the symptoms that first speak to us. Mm -hmm. um, mindset shift here, I want to pull this out. Symptoms are the voice of our body. They, they are um, sacred messages from our body, but our culture doesn't consider that. Our culture just says symptoms are something to suppress and ignore. So true. Um, Yes. So the call to the journey is actually our body talking to us through these symptoms saying something should change so that you can get to who you need to be. 
Um, however, part three of the healing journey is refusal of the call. So this is where we obey the culture, obey the doctors, mm. um, and we we take Tylenol, we take painkillers, we take over-the-counter stuff, you know, to just mask the symptoms that first start to show up. So for me, it was I was starting to have um, really bad heartburn and digestive problems. Um, I was also diagnosed as depressed, um, and you know, a doctor gave me antidepressants. This is the story with so many people. We medicate what our body is trying to tell us. Yeah. It's not a good, it's not a great solution in the long run. Um, so that's, that's sorry. I was just going to say it's it's where we start to treat the symptoms instead of the root cause. Exactly. That's well, exactly. It's, even it's suppressing the symptoms. Yeah, like so we're not treating I mean, anything. Yeah. And you know, it, you know, emotionally, it's when we when we have like a feeling of fear or pain come up. What we want to do is look the other way. Like that's yeah. usually what we always want to do. And then when it comes up, and like that's emotional pain. But when physical pain or discomfort comes up then we want to look the other way physically as well. And the, mm -hmm. and the doctors are just so good at that. They just easy, easily facilitate that ab ability to overlook what's really going on in our body. That's that's the success of it. It's the, the medical industry success is the ability to numb us to our mm -hmm. own selves, really. But yeah, sorry, Lauren, right. keep going. Yeah. No, no, I'm so glad you said that because fear is really what feeds the refusal of the call. You're so right in that in that people actually fear to listen to their body because they fear changing their life. There's a deep fear about finding your true strength. And because guess what? In order to do that, you are going to have to go through some really hard. Yeah. What does that mean to me? Yeah. What does that mean for my life if I'm going to go down that path? You know, everything's going to have to change. And that's what scares people, you know. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's like you said in your story, Lauren, you just wanted to keep everything normal. Exactly. Yes, I, uh, I tried very hard to refuse that call, but um, it kind of burst down my door. <laughs> yeah, which same. It happens. <laughs> Everybody who, who has chronic disease, it's like we are like duct taping that door shut. And yeah. then one street just comes and punches it through. Um. So that's number three. Number four is crossing the threshold. So that is finally where we get to the point where like, okay, the door's broken down. There's nothing I can do to keep this beast away from me. Um, and, and something in us shifts and um, we become somewhat reconciled with this realization that I am going to have to change how I am living. And sometimes this is a big milestone decision and you can like pinpoint it the day on the calendar you decided that you were going to change your diet or it could be really a series of of small little soul whispers in your life um saying leading up to uh a, a decision to to make a change or to think differently so that's crossing the threshold and, and suddenly you are on the path of your healing journey like you've just been thinking about it until now, but now you have put your foot on it. And there's no going back. Um, so number five is support and temptations. This is what um, how we face challenges, and also strangely how we are provided 
everything we need to be, we need at the right time to face those challenges. Because what every wise tradition will tell you is you are always strong enough for what your life presents. So this is the support and temptations. The temptations I like to pull out here are a lot of the negative self-talk. So falling into that neuroplasticity that I talked about where we have those old brain pathways where we say, I'm a victim. I'm not strong enough to make these changes. I shouldn't have to make these changes. Uh, I can't do this alone. I'm not strong enough. Or I'm not making progress, so this isn't really worth it. It's really tempting to fall back into old ways of thinking because those neural patterns are there. Um, and so what we need to do is pull ourselves out of that, that thought pattern, create new neuroplasticity so we can have a different reality. Um, the support, of course, can be finding, finding books like Specific Carbohydrate Diet, GAPS Diet, um, you know, courses and cookbooks like the ones you both have made. Um, and those fall into people's hands when they need them. Yeah. Number six is facing the greatest fear. Um, I think that steps five and six aren't really in order. They, um, they cycle in and out. Mm. So facing the greatest fear in the archetypal stories is when the hero has to face that which he or she thought was going to kill him or her. Mm. Um, if we look at my healing journey, that was when I had to leave college because I truly thought my life was over and now I have no hope of ever being like everyone else. Like never, I, I thought somehow college was the pathway for me to somehow get on the track of my life that I have had always envisioned. Um, and it's only through facing the greatest fear that we just, we, we really realize that the plans we had for our life um, were not for our best interest and our body had a better interest at heart for us. Mm. Uh, thank goodness so you now, were different. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. But that's the realization of every single person on the mm. healing journey. That's right. Is, is um, you know, we're all, all of us are ugly ducklings. Like, yeah. we all, we're that duck. We're the, we're the swan in the story who's felt ugly our whole life and we just didn't fit in everywhere. And maybe, maybe we can try to fake it really well. But at the end of the healing journey, the realization is, ah, I am the swan. Everybody yeah. realizes yeah. they're the swan. That's good. Um, so after facing the greatest fear, now we have step seven, which is the resurrection. Um, this happens in every, every myth of a hero. And what it represents is finding the unique gift of ourself. It's finding the voice of our soul and realizing, ah, this has something really important to offer me and to offer the world. Um, and I'll go back to my healing journey to give an example as well. Um, and it's a similar case to both of you is um, when I went through my healing journey to this point, I realized that I wanted to share recipes. I wanted to share my creativity 
and I wanted to share my writing. Um, and when I put all those things into the world, it was healing for both me and it was healing for the people who found those uh, forms of support. Uh, and that's step number eight. That's returning home. And it it's when we take that beautiful, new, glowing diamond of our soul that we found and we show it to the place from which we came. Um, now, the challenge here is a lot of times when we go through the healing journey and we return back home, home doesn't fit so well. <laughs> like, because <laughs> we've kind of outgrown it. Um, and so there's an interesting cycle that starts over again. Once we get back home, we want to share our gifts. We realize there's a lot of things that I have to sh- change in my environment. Maybe I have to change my career. Maybe I have to change my relationships. Maybe I have to change all this stuff. Um, but we, because of the strength that we found on our healing journey, we are able to make those changes. Well, what's really, um, interesting to me with Joseph Campbell's work and the beautiful parallels that you drew for us here on the healing journey. Mm. And, um, these are, um, cycles that the human being goes through on, every growth journey that they go through. So this is cyclical in small cycles, large cycles. This is something that could take one day and you can go through it and could take years that you can go through it and repeatedly happens. But what's beautiful about this whole story and the the journey of the hero is to take a step back and see that this is a pattern that goes on in the human being's life. And that um, one thing that you can do is to just let go into it, not to sort of carry your own burden while this is going on. Because if this is something that is common to all of us, then there's something greater than us that's facilitating this movement in our lives and that we just have to trust it. And the way that he puts it, he tells people to do what scares them or to follow their bliss. And um, and this is um, a, one of the biggest and most useful bits of advice that he gave for people going through these types of uh, experiences in allowing us to enjoy the journey of what's going on rather than not, not just to fear it. Like we're going to go through and face our biggest fears and we're going to overcome them. But during that uh, entire time, we don't need to be living in a in this kind of state that says, oh my God, I have to know exactly what I need to do. Otherwise, it's not going to work out right. And I just might like, you know, get stuck in this part of the cycle or whatever it is. And just allowing yourself to be with what is in yourself and to experience the joy of of that journey and allow it to happen and to take place and all you have to do is really show up for it and just be there and not fight it and for you know things will will take place so it's uh, it's really pleasurable for people to do this and if you go through it and you go oh my god i've got to address all these eight points in in what i have to do (laughs) i have to do that that can turn into a burden but just allowing yourself to do it or allowing it to happen is is a is the way that it, it should be do you agree with that or yeah that was so eloquent i agree with everything <laughs> everything you just said and especially the point on surrender because something yeah. else is is facilitating this progress and really the progress happens to the degree that we surrender yeah. to this architect so very very well said i think that's such a um important point is just letting go and I think that's when the biggest things have always happened in my life is when I've let go and said well I can't control this 
why am I trying to <laughs> just let it happen? And, and like Fouad said, enjoy the process. I think even bringing it back to health and healing and changing your diet and all of these things that people stress out over um, to say, well, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let this happen day by day and eat this delicious nourishing food and let my body heal slowly. And don't, I think, put a timeline on it, put a, I have to get to this stage by this time and, you know, just let it happen and enjoy it. Like, you know, we don't want to let pizza be like the holy grail of healing. Like, you know, a lot of people are, go- are going to adjourn their happiness until the time comes when they can eat pizza, pizza or something. Yes. You know what? <laughs> so, um, you know, all, all the while you're having like amazing grass-fed meats and butter and vegetables <laughs> and broths and soups and, you know, the most beautiful things. But you can be carrying a burden inside you waiting for pizza day, you know, and, and um, I'm kind of simplifying what what this whole thing is about but uh, you know there's so much abundance in our lives already to be able to consider something like gaps even you know what a what a gift in our life to be able to yeah. even think about it to come across it so um you know this is the the i guess those grooves that um you talk about lauren those uh, mindsets that are like deeply grooved in our habits and our attitudes and they form a self-image for us because they're sort of like uh, little uh, rivets that go through our brain and you know when the waters of life come you know washing over us they're going to take a certain shape and the shape that they take is in in those grooves that have already been formed in us and um you know we we have to come to this point in understanding that we're not our thoughts that our thoughts are just these um, patterns that we've acquired over time and that we default to when something happens and um who we are is before thoughts started we were who we are the thoughts came after our fact of being. And um, that means that in allowing ourselves to be this greater being than the one that is just governed by thoughts, we can redefine ourselves. And I'm, I'm not one to sort of encourage people to have these positive mantras that say, yeah, I'm great, I'm all that kind of stuff. This is, I don't think that's where it comes from. I, I think it comes from the realization that your your thoughts don't actually define you and that you have freedom in in choosing what your thoughts are and then reiterating the choices so as mm-hmm. as the you know your emotions or thoughts react by default to a certain um thing that happens in your life like you get scared every time you see um i don't know uh, someone holding a knife because uh, you know you watched the movie when you were a kid or something you know something traumatic happened then you know you can just say well this is not the reality that I'm, I'm going through, that these emotions that I'm feeling now are just um, emotions that I've always felt in this scenario, but they have no relevant, they're not relevant to the present moment. So what is it that I can truly feel here? And do I have a choice in what I feel? And then, um, you know, that's, that's when we start divorcing ourselves from the habituated thought patterns and can really reinvent ourselves. And that can only come from a person who's, you know, can accept that, hey, I'm firstly, like my thoughts are quite often destructive for me and that I need to improve them and I need to create a different being than um, who who manifests himself in his in this world differently because I just don't like who I am. I don't like the way that these things happen and I, I know I'm greater than this. So you start 
focusing on these positive things. So um, can you give us some practical tips, I guess, uh, for how you would go on this and change your mindset? Like, how do you do it? How do you change um, these old thought patterns that you have and uh, create something new? What's your technique or strategy? Well, I just, I want to, Say that that was a beautiful analogy where you said the, that our um, neuroplasticity or our our brain pathways are like rivulets, and then the river of life comes in and it flows into basically <laughs> our, our default setting. That was such a great analogy. Um, so, in order to change that default, um, there what I have found most powerful um, in my own life is is changing the fundamental relationship I have to my body. I think one of the ways that allows us to change our default thought patterns is is getting in touch with that bigger being that's beyond thoughts that you touched on. Um, and we, we do that through felt experiences. Like we don't we don't do that through thinking. We don't stand in front of a sunset that takes our breath away and think that's beautiful. We feel the beauty. Um, so, so let's see what, what I, what I had to do is come to a place where I could trust my body to feel the truth for me, to feel the truth of that beautiful sunset, to, to feel the truth of a connection with, with another person, to feel the truth of, uh, following my intuition, even when it felt scary. And, I, I I did that through kind of forging a new relationship with my body. I used to have a great distrust from my body. And I think anybody who has had a chronic disease can know this experience because we worry that our body is going to turn on us any moment. And we feel like our body has betrayed us. Like, body, why are you tearing my life apart? Why... Are you making so many things I used to love inaccessible to me? Um, and as a result, I lost trust in my body. I, I lost trust in my intuition. So the healing there was realizing my body always has the best intention for me, even when I don't realize it, that my body is actually smarter than my mind, and it's always taking care of me in a way that my mind can't. And if my body gets sick, it's because my body is telling me, hey, Lauren, I know what's best for you. And it's like, you need to get more sleep and slow down and not eat crap. <laughs> and my mind is like, like, who are you to say that? Of course, I know better than you, body. Like, I can run my life better. Um, so that is the Western mindset. We think our mind knows everything better than our body. Our body that is connected um, to the earth that is in, in so many ways, um, just beyond ourselves. So when I realized that and, and I surrendered, there's the word again, I surrendered to this trust that my body was always taking care of me. And if I listened to it, it was going to provide the best for me in the long run. Then I was able to change that thought pattern of, I hate being sick, um, this is a waste of my time, or I wish I didn't have these symptoms. And I was able to start blessing 
the experiences that my body brought to me. Um, so what I, what I say very often is chronic illness is, it's a sacred initiation into our strength, into the wisdom of our body, into the intelligence that's always with us. And it's a lifelong process, but if I could give an actionable step, it would be learn how to feel the truth in your body and start developing a trust with that. Just start telling yourself, telling your body, body, I trust you. I will do what you tell me to do because I know that you have my best interest at heart, even when I don't know how. I don't that, know how to Yeah. That's beautiful, Lauren, because I, I agree with you. I think when we scan our uh, inner world and we look at what our relationship with our body is, especially those of us who have gone through chronic illness, is um, we find that there's resentment and there's fear and there's um, pain and um, there's a me against the body kind of feeling going on. And it's not one that we're like this thing is beating our heart every day and we're breathing for us and modulating our immune system and doing everything for us. And what we what we're carrying around emotionally for it all day is this resentment, which is quite debilitating for us on the healing journey. So that's a beautifully said and really like what a wonderful bit of advice for people is to relearn their relationship with their body and to start really getting rid of those emotions and to feel the love for themselves again, you know, and, you know, not, this is not in any way me saying, ah, oh, you know, you have to love yourself, you know, like in, in the way that people use it <laughs> these days, it's, uh, you know, like um, the, the new, new agers, I guess, but mostly just to, to unearth what it is that you truly feel towards yourself and realize that you do have a choice there. You don't have to feel that kind of resentment because if you dig even a little, like one inch down, you'll you'll find that, that it is there. And it's a common thing for all of us. That's why we feel frustrated about ourselves and where we are. And we don't give our body the thanks and love that it deserves. Thank you so much for sharing that, Lauren. Um, there's one other thing I'll add to that is um, we have a we have a product at Mio Energetics that's called Vagal Tone, and it's actually the vagal nerve, which is the nerve that connects our brain to all of our organs in the body, that literally carries messages of intuition from our gut and our heart. It carries our heart and gut messages up to our brain so that Love we that. can be more integrated with our intuition. And so you can look this up on Mio Energetics if you um, search intuition there, but um, that is a, that was a, a huge piece in... Um, you know, support, if, if you need some support in trusting your body and feeling your body, I'd really recommend checking that out. Awesome. It just goes back to, all the time to, you know, just traditional wisdom of listening to your gut and listening. <laughs> I can't help laughing when I say that because we're talking about gut health a lot. But it's <laughs> just, like you say, it's all joined. Um, and I found, and Fuad has as well, that the more you get back to the way your body was designed to eat and, and it starts to heal, you can hear your, you can hear your body speaking to you. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the beauty of it. That's the trust. Yeah. I, I often say that there's um, just the, the one root cause of all sickness on this planet and 
it's really a separation of the human being from his natural habitat and his home. And um, that manifests its, itself in societal diseases where we start polluting the water and the air and we start spraying our foods with pesticides and we start, you know, wanting profit over ethics and community. And uh, then at the individual level, we manifest sickness differently. And um, this world that we're born into creates a state of paranoia and distrust uh, in ourselves and, and the people around us. And that for in order for us to truly heal, we have to start healing from the inside. And then, you know, the society at large will start healing again. And then maybe our opinions and views can shift. And you've given us such beautiful, practical advice that we can put in place today. And um, wanted to thank you for that. I'm sure our listeners would, would love this podcast. And yeah. um, we'd love to have you over again. Do, do you have any uh, last words for our listeners before we head off? No, I've, I've so enjoyed the conversation and I'd love to be back anytime. Um, so thank you both so much. Thank you so much. Can you just let everyone know where they can find you? Absolutely. So Empowered Sustenance is where I share grain-free recipes and support um, for the healing journey. Um, and uh, also I have just a whole bunch of recipes on Pinterest. If you look up Empowered Sustenance there and Instagram and Facebook as well. And then the company with um, essential oils and flower essences that are going to help um, you rebuild new neuroplasticity. That's Mio, M-E-O, energetics.com. Okay. And we'll put the links to that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thank you. And I think you have a couple of eBooks as well. Um, and do you have recipe book or what do you have? Um, two ebooks. One is Quit Acne, um, the nutritional approach to clear skin, and the other one is Quit PMS, uh, end your menstrual misery naturally. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll include links to all of those. Thank you so much, Lauren. It was absolutely amazing to hear you speak. It was beautiful. Such a joy. I was so glad to connect with you both. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you all to for listening. And please go and check out Lauren's website and her um, social media, Pinterest, recipes. She's just got so much to share. Um, and I'm just so thankful that we could talk to you today. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.